we reached out to Sachin back in 2014 um, when you're in the midst of these 70, 80 rejections. And um, at that point, Sachin wasn't a known angel investor. Not that I know that entrepreneurs could invest. I literally reached out to him because after a whole bunch of rejections on the pitch tech, um, I reached out to him. I need some feedback on this pitch tech because something doesn't seem to be working. And he gave me a meeting. Um, so, and, and that was my only question in the meeting. Let me just take you through the pitch deck. Let me tell you what exactly I believe in, what I've been telling people. Tell me what should I change. He heard all of it and the only thing is, don't change anything in this. This is the only way you can build this business. So welcome to Outliers. This is a podcast with outliers and uh, some outliers take long <laughs> to have a sit down. Some not, don't take so long. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited today to sit down with Tarun Mehta, who is co-founder of Ethan Energy. Tarun, welcome to the podcast. Hey, hi, Pankaj. Thanks. Thanks for inviting. So why do I think you are an outlier? <laughs> I think that would be a fair question for me to answer before I ask you questions. Yeah, please do answer that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think the first time I... Uh, we, Around that time, we were launching Factor Daily, actually, I feel. Hmm. I think it was... 2016. Uh, early. Uh, yeah, yeah, very early. Yeah. And uh, of course, your name came up in, in some conversations and they said, uh, you are going to be building uh, two wheelers and uh, that itself was an outlier act mm. because uh, we are so used to, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship in India, uh, you know, listening to this, uh, the next e-commerce startup or, you know, and, and, and so this, this really stood out. So I'll mm. be honest, that caught my, that's when the mind share <laughs> happened. And uh, since then, uh, of course, uh, I've been tracking thanks to uh, my colleague Anand, who keeps a tab on <laughs> what you do and how. Uh, he has been a follower. He's, he's been a supporter. <laughs> he's been a supporter. Yeah. Yeah. And he keeps it uh, tight. And uh, I, I think uh, why we enter into these conversations with entrepreneurs like you is because our belief is that uh, the journey that you go through has tremendous lessons to offer to others who who are either in the journey or about to start a journey. Hmm. And if we catch you uh, in the middle of such a journey, hmm. there is an opportunity to you know unlock some great lessons. So that's the idea. Yeah. Let us start from the start, Tarun. Tell okay. me uh, where you come from, uh, who you are, and then we can get into why are you doing whatever you are doing. Right. Um, so I'm originally from Rajasthan, born and brought up in Ahmedabad, did my schooling there, then went to school in Chennai, IIT Madras, and uh, dad has a small software business, distribution mostly, mom uh, is a housemaker, homemaker, and also an LIC agent. Family, so I, I'm a Marwadi originally, but it's, it's not uh, one of those classic Marwadi families where Everybody is in business. So we have a mix. Some folks are in business, some are in service. And, um, <clears throat> but mostly in Gujarat, Rajasthan, mm. most folks. It's only, I think, last few years that people have started moving out. Mm. So that's the basic background. Um, I met my co-founder, Swapnal, in college. We were in the same department. Uh, same department, same year, we're in the same hostel. Uh, and we, we spent five years together. And um, sometime around our second year, he 
he was very excited about energy as uh, as a seg- as a sector i don't know how, how do you even describe it such an underlying basic thing to our economy and um, he had an idea to build a engine called sterling engine it was a very fascinating concept as young engineers and um, he was building a prototype and he was calling himself ather energy back then uh, I, i actually my memory is not very clear i'm not sure if he was already calling himself ather energy or by the time i joined him and then later he came up with ather energy mm-hmm. but either way he came up with the name so he had a lot of clarity about that so around second year end is uh, when i got fascinated um, and i joined him in the side project that he was running called fosterling engines and then we spent the next few years trying to commercially build these engines while slet college so ours was a five year course um very fascinating concept sterling engines they can technically run at carnot efficiencies uh so you're talking about 60 70 80% 70 something percent efficiencies and um something that can run on any fuel source so our our, our idea was that we will build an engine that um that that people in rural markets can buy at low enough cost and they can burn farm waste below the engine and that will start the engine and generate electricity on which they can run their houses so instead of burning off the farms like they do in mm-hmm. haryana uh, which doesn't yield much they would actually just burn it below the engine which at least give them electricity so there's now a commercial application for it in their house itself we built a lot of them we built i think four or five of those prototypes over 3 years spent a lot of time spent some money we kept raising small amounts of money while at college not as a company but as a project couldn't commercially make it viable i think we did a fairly bad job of engineering probably good job as young engineers but not a good job as commercial as far as commercializing goes so we also did a whole bunch of other stuff while we were still at college we built built a lot of stuff outside of coursework um and this was just one of them there were like two three other projects so by the time we were graduating out what had happened was we were pretty clear that we want to do something together we want to build stuff we want to create value uh, by building products and we want to build something in the energy sector <clears throat> we didn't have an idea at the time of graduation so we're like you know what let's just take up jobs let's just stay in engineering and we will have an idea someday right when other ideas right we'll come back to this so we gave ourselves a few years time to just sort of mull over t- just sort of mull over stuff give ourselves some time because five years was a long time we tried enough stuff took up different jobs and um after that is when ethers actual the new the current story starts from there so do you want me to talk about that or yeah why don't you jump into it but before that yeah uh, a lot of people you know i've been talking <laughs> to over i think over a decade and all when it comes to engineering in india in hmm. india they say that somewhere engineers got, got into this coding thing hmm. and they forgot that engineering is actually to build things right hmm. so when you were talking about the stuff that you were building well, i'm just trying to understand uh, because you 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 were in one of those campuses itself hmm. what happens i mean what what is missing why don't we have enough people who are trying to build stuff like really build stuff right right so what's happening i mean where do things uh, get lost first i would not look down upon coding okay. i i think you can build a lot of phenomenal stuff uh in software and actually that's where the bulk of the creation today is happening it is just that in our environment very few people actually end up building products 
most people in the building services of some sort so hence we don't feel what 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 good software can do uh, but that aside because anyways we didn't go down in that direction i think primarily both of us um, a the department we were in we were in engineering design and engineering design um, is a mashup between multiple departments but a lot of it is in mechanical engineering uh for example my special specialization was largely in robotics so mostly i spent my time doing mathematics linear algebra um and sopnal's specialization was in thermodynamics more or less so you get the angle right like we were in that discipline there the second thing that i think happened was um i think is a circum like i think it's just the right place because the department was very very new we were the third batch of that department so it was the youngest department at iit madras and the faculty was super pumped up and excited which is to be honest no no offense but a rare thing to find in most departments because faculty has been bone down over like you know several decades of nobody actually doing anything exciting and i, I don't know but but our faculty was absolutely pumped up right that yes we are a new department you're going to build stuff and there was that sort of a feeling i remember you know how the labs were built up we actually helped transport some stuff from one department here to another because the department building is coming up in front of us so there's a lot of this community feeling that you know we are in this together and 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 the professors one of the guiding principles was you got to build stuff uh, so the the concept of engineering design was build a product end to end right so so we actually had courses right in our first year on um, product thinking on, on management on uh, what is a business plan uh, what 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 does a customer want how, how do you think of those things we had a uh, courses on mechanical design we had a lot of courses on just prototyping uh, i remember there was this course for 6 months long and the entire point of that course was no classes you will just pick up a concept and you will build it over 6 months you will just prototype it over 6 months right wow. and the department will actually give you some money 20000 50000 60000 rupees just form small teams and build it right and then prepare reports justify why this is financially viable justify the bill of materials of this right build up a business case go do some customer research so you would actually go and do customer research we would form these you know quality functional deploy uh, deployments qfds you justify you know that this feature and this spec makes sense Honestly, very little of that is taught to a regular engineer yeah. in, in almost any no, college. No, I'm really surprised. I actually didn't know anything. <clears throat> so that's my also part-time job, job <laughs> uh, which is praising our department and sort of getting in more students in the future. Uh, but but honestly, like um, I think the timing was right because the department had a lot of energy. They, the faculty was really believe was believer that this can cause products to come out, um, and everything was open. Right, like everybody was like we had unlimited access to everything in the department. So I think these things played a role. Like we would have, I think, at two courses over six months, like four, four, five months long, where you would just strip down stuff. Right? We don't get taught like that in other departments these days. So I think that played a huge role in in just sort of. Uh, so we were very comfortable doing that, stripping down mechanical stuff, maybe a little bit of electronics, uh, putting it up back together, thinking that you know what is this feature? How can we? and and along the way what also happened is we were again at the right time because in iit madras around that time period the there were two centers which were trying to come up one was center for innovation uh, which was one of the first of its sort of efforts uh, at least at iit madras where alumni came together and i think funded a large space i, I think like i don't know maybe 20 30000 square feet of space and they just funded that space and they gave a whole bunch of equipment right and the idea of it was called center for innovation cfi the idea was just go tinker right like just sort of build anything 
ऐसे ही राइट लाइक दिस 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 नॉट कोर्स वर्क नथिंग लाइक जस्ट मेकअप गुड प्रपोजल्स यू नॉट आई वॉन्ट टू बिल्ड रोन्स राइट ग्रेट बिल्ड अप अ गुड प्रपोजल एंड कम विल गिव यू मनी हियर आर ऑल द टूल्स एंड फैसिलिटीज दैट यू नीड आउटसाइड ऑफ योर डिपार्टमेंट गो क्रेजी बिल्डिंग एंड लिटरली द ईयर वी केम इन साइड आई डी आर फर्स्ट ईयर दैट डिपार्टमेंट दैट इंटायर सी एफ आई proposal was on the table so i was in super involved but sopan was super involved in it so he was the one involved in, in when that place itself was coming up which is how the first formula sa car projects also started really taking shape and he got involved there so that was an exciting moment because a whole bunch of people especially from our department got involved from aerospace got involved in in just pure building wow. like it's very rare to find that which is uncorrupted because give it few years politics kicks in people want to take up more space more money initial years everybody's like you know got this sense of you know we want to build it and there was a second thing happening which was um, ctites which was the center for basically the entrepreneurship cell and i got involved there in my first year right mm-hmm. and uh, some of the people behind the e cell back then were really purists right like they didn't actually care about having a massive community and organizing large events uh, do eventually it all went there yeah. but the initial people were really really focused on what is entrepreneurship there the spirit of entrepreneurship of actually building something so i think that is the message that a lot of us picked up at the entrepreneurship cell just this sheer love for building creating value pair that with this love of just purely building stuff with pair of with with love for creating value building value you got a very 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 uh, fertile land there and i think we we were the right time because we were there at that point um and both of us co-founders were in two different parts so <laughs> very complimentary very complimentary <laughs> coming together in our second year to sort of you know build a product so so that product that we're trying to build we sort of bring these things together you know what we have access to cfi so we can build the product there i know I, 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 we have this entire understanding from the entrepreneurship cell we're sort of watching all these videos i got a chance to go to stanford as part of the esel in my second year it was mind blowing it was absolutely mind blowing i know it sounds too cliche but holy shit going to stanford in my second year it was the first time i went outside the country from iit madras it was like wow everybody that you meet there every student is is talking about starting up they would take you to palo alto and every single cafe is just full of what bangalore like now looks like it was already like that in 2009 maybe better and i, I just came by blown away like wow like everybody is super excited like it is actually possible to build build stuff like i i don't think i'd still comprehended building a company but actually build stuff yourself you don't actually need like a large company to sort of take on the job of building something individuals can build something i think that was a big turning point at least for me personally so that's how we got started no, and I, that's how we started building stuff i think that's what i meant to ask i mean mm. not not coding versus this yeah this thing about building something mm. is what well, and i think you answered it very well and i now understand the whole intersection that happened and how ether yeah. came about it. yeah. it's very clear uh, let's now jump to ether hmm. and uh, <laughs> from outside uh, and it applies to every company it looks like every year you are having a near death experience right <laughs> uh, or someone either writes you in or <coughs> or someone writes you off right huh? and i think we in media are equally to be blamed for hmm. Uh, you know trying to derive conclusions on a monthly or annual basis hmm. but uh, take me through the journey uh, through your lens hmm. uh, because i think there is enough from my lens <laughs> and but i am sitting down with you to understand uh, what's been happening and uh, take us through 
the important milestones or tipping points that you feel gave you best learnings so uh, <clears throat> we came together to form ether uh, again um in fact i remember calling up sapnal because that time sapnal was still not part of it and i was still on a job and i was just thinking that gosh this concept of building batteries for the electric scooters could be very exciting so i wanted to start a company on it and i called him up to one day ask ki you know you mind if i use the word ether energy for something i'm thinking of starting up and i explained what i'm thinking of starting up and he said yeah sure go ahead right like sure go be my guest so i i, I started calling myself ether energy and then i uh, he was in bangalore i was in chennai and i would making the i was making these trips every month i would go stay with him for a weekend and try to convince him that you should really come join this um it wasn't a team it was just me um he came over anyways um the idea quickly pivoted initially we wanted to just build batteries um and i think the one good thing that we did was actually go out and meet a whole bunch of customers very early something that many people may not realize but many people might think that given how we launched the product that uh, we have waited a long time to discover product market fit yeah. right in that's fact how that's it looks like it looks like right in fact uh, that's actually common worry that i have heard from investors in the past now that we've launched it's a different situation but in the past big worry well you know guys you're making this classic mistake of uh, investing everything and and building this huge edifice before you've discovered product market fit and uh, i i don't think i've done a phenomenal job in convincing people but to us it has never been a big worry because we before we ever built anything one of the first things we did was spend a solid 6 months we didn't even start either like first thing that we did we just left our jobs and we went back to iit uh, and we managed to convince one of our professors to give us a complete room and just sort of some some money every month as a project money uh, inside the department and we started spending time in going and meeting customers so people who had bought electric vehicles so i think we would have met about 50 plus people 50 customers in chennai and maybe a few in bangalore also uh ah, sapnal went to customers in bangalore so we actually met a whole bunch of people and different different cohorts as you would want to call them right uh, people who had bought electric scooters people who had bought electric cars people who had bought multiple electric scooters people who had uh, who were running dealerships for electric scooters people uh, who were employees in electric scooter companies uh, once upon a time people who led those companies we, we really met a whole bunch of people and that told us a lot about what the market is thinking like um a solid 6 months i think went here and then when we figured out that you know what we actually so this actually gave us one learning we originally wanted to build a battery pack for a scooter and we spoke with so many customers all of them said yes a battery would solve the problem but the, it was a trick question because the real question to ask them was would you buy it <laughs> and turns out nobody wants to buy it we're like why would you buy it like it's like you say it's also problem we are saying we'll build it we'll build it at the right cost point why should we buy it and they won't give a clear answer but it was very evident then they won't buy it and turns out that they hated the vehicle itself they hated their current electric vehicle and this would solve the problem but there's so many other problems with this vehicle i don't like the looks i don't like the comfort i don't like the ergonomics i don't like the uh, performance i don't like the ride quality i i am i'm i'm a little embarrassed to tell people that i ride this so your battery solves problems but how do you solve all those problems right so that's when you woke up and you know that was it wasn't a pivot as much as it was a realization big learning if you're building a b2c company uh, and we wanted to build a b2c company you got to build first a very very exciting story right and uh, one plus did it apple has been a master of it obviously right uh 
Royal Enfield has done that, right? You, you never sell a spec, you never sell a feature, right? What you ultimately sell, if you're building a strong brand, which will actually command those 30, 40 percent gross margin, you're not building a commodity. You're first and foremost building a story and you're getting people, enough people to believe in that story and you're getting a whole bunch of other people who aspire to be those storytellers or listeners, right? That's the only thing that you're doing at the start. And if you get that right, everything else can follow. But if you don't get that right, you will very quickly basically become a manufacturing company. You will basically become a commodity builder. And there is not enough value in building commodities, right? So that was the biggest learning. And because and, and we could see it so clearly, it was so visible in the eyes. You would tell them batteries, yeah, others can also build batteries, but I don't really want to buy batteries. And now you're looking at a very hard sell. So we changed the pitch. And then what we did is, actually the first thing we did after we convinced ourselves about this, we went and, and engaged a designer and we told them this is the sort of scooter we want, right? It should go like this, this should be performance. And uh, his name was Shantanu, he's still with us. Um, he came up with a sketch of what the scooter looks like. He came up with three different sketches, th different different perspectives. We're like, yes, this looks beautiful. I know what, I think we are competent enough engineers, we'll figure out how to fit the entire vehicle inside this concept. Mm -hmm. So we will not follow the idea of, this is the engineering, now you fit it, fit bodyworks around it. We will take on the task of fitting our inner engineering inside your bodyworks. So we took that and we wrote on a whole bunch of specs and then we went to customers, asking them, you know what, you really hate the fact that your vehicle does 25 kilometers per hour, right? Or, 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 or that it takes eight hours to charge up. What if I build you a vehicle that does 75 kilometers per hour, that charges up in like one hour, that has a battery that will last you for not six months, but five years. What does it sound like? And man, you could see it in their eyes. Yes, obviously, like that's what I would have always bought. Yes, please build it. I'm like, I've never heard that sort of response. Five years we have done this engineering, we've gone out for so many products. It was always, you know, us trying to convince people. This is the first time I've just thrown a spec at these guys and they're just completely going bonkers. Like zero people I met who were cold to it. Everybody was hot. Everybody was like, beautiful, please build it, I will buy it, right? Will you pay more than an electric scooter? Obviously I'll pay more than an electric scooter. Like money was never really the reason I bought this electric scooter. Very beautiful. Um, so first thing, sell them a very, very comp compelling story. And, and how you sell that story also mattered. And I could feel it as I kept meeting more and more people, my pitch kept improving. And I could see that, you know, their excitement about what we're talking about kept increasing, right? Initially, I would just talk about 75 kilometer top speed, one hour charging. That's nice, that's great. But you keep ratcheting up the pitch, right? You, you, you actually, walk them through a situation of you know how they would ride this vehicle it would have a beautiful dashboard you would go park it next to a next to a, an activa in, in front of a starbucks and you know uh, the, the screen would flash white light and it would close and it would give a blue ring and they're imagining it and they're like going crazy yes 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 so that was the biggest learning at the start what uh, was something that didn't work what was then work what, something that didn't work um I think with the 450, we definitely have an over-engineered product, right? And and I think it's an over-engineered product because we couldn't optimize to a point where this is enough for the customer to pay, right? I wanted to ask you this when you huh. were describing the way you went to customers and you know and and your pitch kept improving. Yeah. And this was now in my mind actually yeah. over-engineering. It it, it uh, I think. Uh, the reality, I'm pretty sh actually not pretty sure. I can see it. We over-engineered it, and um, I, I think we 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 couldn't do all steps of a of of this journey perfectly. Uh, we got some steps right, but some steps we just weren't sure. 
and we over indexed on having it uh, versus well not having it simple index right um, Brian Chesky talks about it really well right he talks about you know how he crafted this really awesome journey for 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 his customers but then given his product he could actually you know spend a lot of time in 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 fine tuning exactly the sort of things that you need now again in their experience they can actually do it and and they can do it a multiple number of times before they figure it out we didn't have that luxury right you got to build a complete product before you realize hmm, this this feature that we put so much effort to build looks like people are okay without it like they don't despise it but would you spend 10000 rupees extra for it yeah no they will spend 500 rupees for it the problem with our product is and it is so visible even the prototype that we showed in 2016 was nowhere close to what we launched so getting this sort of finish and this sort of quality was actually a key qualifier before the consumer can truly respond to your product so i think we had the uh, the richness of their input was limited in that sense right uh, which is why i would say half of the things that we built were not essential uh, in the 8020 rule we we cleared that 100 and the the last 20 things i think took like half of our time and energy so we could have cut them off but we just did not know which is the half that we could have cut off but but now that you have the benefit of hindsight but now you have a major advantage <laughs> yeah. right? so how 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 would you actually avoid something like this or is it possible or is it just part of the business i want to say you can avoid it <laughs> but deep down i know it i think it's very hard um i see it, and, and it's not as objective as i just described because you there's also a huge people angle and let me explain what i mean you're an entrepreneur you're selling right and you're selling that dream to not just yourselves and your investors but your incoming team also in our case what is the dream that we're selling we're selling a version of uh, uh, one or the other version of you will get to build really cool stuff you will get to build a product that you would love to use right now for different people it might mean different things right and not everybody has a 100% exact clarity on what exact thing will work so sometimes to get that sort of really creative and crazy bunch together to build something you have to actually let them be crazy for a while right if you put in too many restrictions on day one no 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 i already know this won't work uh, and by the way you don't right that's another reality you don't like so you also guessing right and and to be honest being a founder is not like superpower you actually don't know much better than what those guys know so you're sort of um, you could optimize but i think you will lose out miss out on a lot of a uh, lot of that uh, that that spark in people if you over optimize the system on day one um and, and more importantly you will miss out on some learnings see another thing that you should also remember as a startup you got this really beautiful time in the starting phase where you can take one year more you can take 18 months more you can you can raise a little bit more money and you would only need to raise another 10 million dollars Uh, again in our business i think that's that's fine amount of money to spend because what you can learn for that what you can learn by building the 450 today you're learning at the cost of let's say 10 15 20 000 vehicles that learning is impossibly expensive when you're trying to do that when you're trying to learn that at the scale of let's say 100 000 vehicles or 1 million vehicles because the cost of that additional sensor over a million vehicles is probably 10 million dollars you will have a massive complicated business case to justify it. today it's like you know what 100000 dollars yes let's try the experiment now rather than later so <laughs> yeah the the other question 
which is an outlier question again, mm. is that the kind of product that you built or you build, you're building <laughs> or you were, you know, uh, it's not a classic uh, product, which, which I mean, what I mean is the startup ecosystem was very used to or familiar with, right? Mm. From venture, uh, you know, investors to people who uh, write or analyze the startups and all that in India, they were not used to this kind of a product, right? Uh, and it's not just the domain expertise, it's also their familiarity with uh, other digital, you know, right. digital products. <clears throat> so how did you, uh, how did you cope with criticism? How do you deal with uh, criticism <clears throat> wherein uh, people would just write you off? Uh, so, so I'm trying to understand what goes, uh, even as you fight these battles, what happens? Like, how do you take criticism? I think, uh, so the, the first fundraise was probably the biggest learning there. Uh, because I think I'd already met about, uh, I think I'd probably already pitched to somewhere in the range of 70 to 80 people mm-hmm. without a single yes. Uh, and that was a painful time because um, initially we had one investor and we had 25 lakhs plus 15 lakhs of debt back then. So 40 lakhs total. And we had run the company with about 12 people or 10 people uh, one year and three prototypes, which is 40 lakhs. So we had already exhausted ourselves. And um, I was just going through a list. I, I, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was 70 or 80 people that we had pitched since then for literally investments for 25 lakhs more and uh, near continuous rejections. Um, until I realized one day uh, that ultimately I just need one person to say yes. Right? I don't know if I realized or probably I read it. Until it hit me that I just need one person to say yes. In fact, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Paul Graham's, uh, uh, one of those essays that in, or maybe Peter Thiel, that if, if everybody agrees with what you're saying, likely what you're building is going to be very low differentiation and very low uh, uh, defensibility. Is it how to do a startup or uh, do things that don't scale, one of them? I'm not sure. <laughs> right? I'm not even sure it's Paul sure. or Peter Thiel, sure. but one of those two guys, for sure. Um, and I took solace in the fact, you know, the fact that nobody agrees to this means that nobody else will do it. So it's brilliant. The minute I convince one person, beautiful. I'll be, we'll be the only ones building this. Nobody else will agree to it anyways. It's good. So I think we, we got over that uh, disappointment that way. Um, and uh, yes, we've obviously had a lot of people tell us, with, and with honestly very good reasons, not, not arrogant reasons, very good reasons that hardware is hard, that uh, scaling up is hard, manufacturing is hard, Indian ecosystem is hard for all of this. Uh, and fundraising over this is going to be crazy hard. I remember one person telling me that, uh, you know what, you should stop building the vehicle and take the software that you will put in a dashboard and spin yourselves into an IoT company. Um, and I'm reasonably certain that would have been a good outcome for many other people. Uh, and I considered it for like five seconds until I realized that, you know what, as founders, that's not what we want to do. We want to build B2C. We want to build something in the energy sector. Vehicles is for us a starting point. We want to build a lot more after this. So clearly, I can't become an IoT company. That takes us nowhere. So just a, a little bit of a, a stubbornness that uh, we've got a vision. We won't change our vision for anything. Um, and the vision for us first, there was a larger energy vision. And for vehicles, the vision was very clear. Everything is going to be electric. And if everything becomes electric, every single technology inside a vehicle is changing. Only startups can build groundbreaking new technologies. It's a no-brainer. Only a startup is going to win this battle, right? So if it's not us, it's going to be another startup. It's only going to be a startup. 
and if we can see it with our limited experience and background, surely there'll be another bunch of investors who will also see this. So we just got to keep, keep on at it, not change a pitch for anybody. Um, in fact, remember Sachin was one of those first, one of those people who, who sort of probably saved us, uh, and not just with his money, <laughs> his and Benny's money, but also with his uh, statement. So we reached out to Sachin back in 2014, um, when you're in the midst of these 70, 80 rejections. And um, at that point, Sachin wasn't a known angel investor. Not that I know that entrepreneurs could invest. I literally reached out to him because after a whole bunch of rejections on the pitch deck, um, I reached out to him, I need some feedback on this pitch deck because something doesn't seem to be working. And he gave me a meeting. Um, so, and, and that was my only question in the meeting. Let me just take you through the pitch deck. Let me tell you what exactly I believe in, what I've been telling people. Tell me what should I change? He heard all of it and the only thing is, don't change anything in this. This is the only way you can build this business. I was like, you just raised a billion dollars. I'm sure you know what you're saying, right? Sorted, I'm not changing anything. So I think that was a big, big, big uh, support. Uh, we refused to pivot after we had clarity about our end vision. We refused to pivot into a different business altogether. Uh, and I think, luckily, we've been lucky to sort of find investors at the right time. A um, couple of final <laughs> questions. Yeah. One of the things is, uh, there is this entrepreneurial uh, like optimism, right? Huh. You you said stubbornness, or mm. someone would say doggedness, mm. you know, uh, not, I will not pivot, not change. I'm just trying to understand in your mind, how do you know, what what is the decision making framework? Yeah. Like, what is your source of faith? I mean, not, I mean, maybe it's a philosophical question. Mm. What I'm trying to understand is, why you keep at it? Yeah, so it's not... Um, I, I've thought a lot about it because uh, you have to uh, you have to check yourselves if if, if it's uh, foolishness or if it's if it's based on something real. Um, and we actually thought enough about it that we made it one of our five value systems at Ether. Uh, in fact, the first value system it's called Know Your True North, right? Come so again? Know Your True North, right? Uh, what it means, what what we want to capture by that is there are certain fundamental truths in any business. Now you can build a business on, on on the back of a lot of stuff. You can build a business because it's it, it's in fashion right now, right? Something is fashion, and you, if you build a business on top of that fashion right now, you know you can create a lot of value in two years, right? It may not remain a fashion four years later, but you've already created value, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, or you can build a business because there's a short-term opportunity, and not just a fashion. It's literally an opportunity, right? Like like some law is changing. And in the interim, there's a lot of confusion, and you're creating a BPO firm that'll capture Y2K, right? And you will, so you can do that. But these things are not fundamental truths in a business. Fundamental truths are the sort of what, at least Jeff Bezos claims Amazon was built on, which is that I know that forever and ever, I will never have a situation. Uh, I, I want to basically build, uh, sell stuff which is cheaper and which I can deliver fast. Because I will never have a situation where any customer will ever come to me and say, you know what, Jeff, it would be so much better if only you delivered this a little slower, right? Or if you only sold this a little bit more expensive. So a lot of stuff can change. We can go into communism tomorrow. You know, uh, we could have a world war breakout tomorrow. But this fundamental truth that people want to build stuff, buy stuff that is cheaper and buy it faster, that is such a fundamental, obvious truism that I can build a business on this belief and I'm true. Now, the problem with these fundamental truths is usually that they're very, 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 very broad, right? But that's what you need to keep in mind. Your vision and, and, and that, truth, that true, true rock, true north, 
is broad and you're building a business on that, which means a lot of your approach might change. But that thing you will never pivot on. You will never pivot to suddenly saying, you know what, this selling thing is very hard. So let me get into the business of uh, making, maybe making some stuff, right? I'll start making clothes because I think selling clothes is very hard. Somebody else will sell, I'll make them, right? Because that's what the money is. No, 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 just stick to it. Just, just stick to this core mission of selling stuff better, faster, cheaper right? You will create a massively valuable business. And if you make that your core value prop, you will create massive defensivity. That's how we have thought about it. Our true north here has been, vehicles are going electric, right? Or not actually even electric. Our true north was, eventually all vehicles will be run on sustainable energy. It's a guaranteed thing. How else? Like, uh, you will run out of fuels, right? So it's obvious. It, it, is, it is a truism. Ultimately, vehicles will have to run on a fuel source, which is infinite, effectively. If that's the world we are headed to, then that's the business that we will build because that's true. So we will build a business to build these new vehicles, which are not fossil fuel dependent. Literally that's end. Everything after that is debatable. That point is not debatable. So if you come and tell me, spin your company into an IoT company, you know what, doesn't make sense to us. As, but if you come and tell me, you know what, Tarun, I think you should look at hydrogen fuel cell vehicles. You know what, I'll think about it. I'm not married to electric. We're not married to lithium ion, right? If you come and tell me, look at this new crazy battery technology that come up. Yes, we should look at it. L you know, electric is a dying technology. Don't look at motors. Look at this air run vehicle. I don't care. Like, I'll talk about it. As long as it is based on this fundamental truth that vehicles are going to be run on infinite source of energy, right? Now to us today, that looks like electric is the only medium that will work. Nothing else for the next 10 years. But even that is debatable to us. The only thing that is not debatable is those vehicles will be built and only a new company will be able to build them. Mm. And so that's my literally the only heuristic, my only framework to think of any decision. If I'm questioning that, I'm not questioning that. That doesn't make sense. If you're questioning anything else, yes, I'll let you confuse me. If you try, and try to confuse me about that, if you try and convince me, you know what, Tarun, I don't think you should build vehicles. I think you should just design vehicles. Hmm, no will build the full vehicle and will be B2C company because you know that makes sense, right? If you come and tell me Tarun, you should maybe just sell software. No, that's not the real opportunity. The opportunity is there and I'm going to stick at it. And I'm going to stay at it for the next 50 years until that becomes such a massive mode because we've stayed on to one single source of truth. We don't change that. So <laughs> almost a value system now, not almost, it is now a value system. I think that explains your journey as well. <laughs> so so okay so we know why you are doing this yeah. um, what has have you encountered uh, fatigue or uh, what you know founders also go through in like I don't know see I'm a rookie founder you know two two and a half years <laughs> but that, that's long enough yeah? that's so, long enough now. <laughs> yeah. but uh, when it comes to fatigue or you know being at this battle doggedly for long, these journeys are painful and long, right? Clearly. So what would be the reasons for you to not do, do it, if at all, ever? Very simple answer. If the source of truth that you built everything on, if that changes. If that changes, or you realize that you built it on a wrong source of truth, that's not actually a source of truth, right? Uh, some reason, petrol is gonna be available infinite forever, Ooh, then this is wrong, and you should change. And if not, then there's no reason for you to give up. Because 
very few businesses by the way are based on such fundamental truths and i've noticed that most businesses are actually built on some opportunity in fact heck, i have often pitched ether as something that is built because we had an opportunity right and not because it was based on this but that is the reality very few businesses are built on such true things and if they are they will yield such a massive outcome that it is definitely worth your entire life's effort you're not building something that is low value that is low impact any segment you can pick up if it's a fundamental source a the segment won't be small the opportunity won't be small and the output should you succeed is going to be massive and i very strongly believe the only reason you will not succeed is if you give up like there's always there's always a way there's always uh uh some way you can make it work so yeah final question the the kind of journey that you're talking about long and massive <coughs> opportunity clear, clearly i mean absolutely no doubt about it mm. uh the, the teams that build such companies uh or founders who you know the whole founders mentality kind of thing and all that uh it, it's almost like after every life stage you have to take a new birth as a leader right because everything changes yeah now uh how how do you learn uh like it's a simple question but what i mean to understand from you is how do you keep leading what you are building would it, it would, would you be open to some day of getting someone else to do it i mean i'm just trying to understand sure so so the second question first would you be open i think one should be open because i think the role of a founder in a company is not to be a ceo cto cpo ceo any of those the role of a founder in a company always is to push the company on to the next stage right next stage of growth next stage of value creation the minute the company gets there the rest of the stage can be run by really seasoned executives now it might also happen that you might have to play that role for a variety of reasons but the primary role of a founder in any company is to keep pushing it to completely uncharted territories that is very hard for a manager to do because they just don't have the mandate only founders have that mandate and and that's that's just there Your first question: How personally, how I uh, learn my medium, which by no means is, is something that works for everybody, is having a whole bunch, having a few advisors uh, around me. Um, they're sometimes formal advisors, and and you know we literally bring them on board, give them equity and all that. Sometimes there's a bunch of informal advisors that you sort of you know do dipsticks with every six months, right? Um, and and they teach you a lot. So. advisors to sort of get a third person perspective i i have at least two three people that i spend uh, about 6 to 8 hours every month uh, usually on weekends to just sort of you know walk them through what's happening right and they even they almost always without fail able to point point and point this out to me that you know what tarun your key problem right now is you just don't have a good head of hr that's why you don't have an org structure that's why you don't have a process that's why your people are going crazy that's why you don't have a performance management system i can throw all these words at you but you don't even understand them because you have no work experience let why don't you focus on first bringing a phenomenal head of hr and that person will just push your company to the next level and that's a phenomenal insight to have but it's very contextual insight i can read about it hr is important but doesn't help but somebody who's in my journey and i'm updating on a monthly basis he looks at my system meets my people looks at their problems spend some time with me <clears throat> is able to point out you know this is why your problem is and you know in my experience this is what works this model work brilliant inside very valuable at the right time crazy um or it could be a founder right a founder who's gone through the journey 
people like Sachin, people like Raghu, Taxi for sure, a, a phenomenal, uh, uh, phenomenal advice from him. Bini, all these guys, they are often able to give you these nuggets of you know insight. You know what? You're doing a fundraise, but you can't negotiate. You've walked into a place where you can't negotiate anything. What do you think will happen? You, you think you want to fight? You can't fight. You haven't armed yourselves. It doesn't hit you as founder, right? You probably don't realize unless that's your mindset. So I think for me personally, um, um, having great advisors or mentors is something that works brilliantly. I, I, I always try to bring them close, keep them close. Sure. Thanks, uh, Tarun. Hey. Please stay this way. <laughs> really good talking to you. Okay. Have fun. Great, Pankas. Thank, Thank you. you. Nice having you.